This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Welcome to another episode of the One Year No Beer podcast. I am Ruri, your host for today's show. And today I'm joined by a very, very, I know I sometimes say that very special guest, but today I am genuinely joined by a very, very, very special guest who's also dear to my heart and a good friend. So I'm super, super happy to be back and um, chatting to this amazing human. Interestingly, and we'll talk about how we met, but it's how we met and and this relationship that flourished from from the interwebs, right? Um, so we'll talk about that. But but today we're joined by a wonderful human called Larry Hagner, uh, a renowned author, speaker, and advocate, pioneer for fatherhood and personal development. Uh, he's the creative force behind the Dad Edge, a dynamic community dedicated to helping men become exceptional fathers. I need some work there. And to lead fulfilling lives and the host of the Dad Edge podcast. Today, we're going to join and in, delve into a little bit of Larry's mission, purpose, what it is to be a great dad, which is a never-ending journey, I, I feel. Um, it's a never-ending pursuit. How to be the best version of yourself to and empower your children to do the same. So, Excited to get in today's podcast. Larry, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Hey, man. Thank you so much for having me. This is this is super fun, man. We go back so long ago. It's crazy. Yes. How long is it? Ten, over 10 years. And that was because I found you. I found your podcast, the Dad's Edge podcast, and then I came on your mastermind, I think. Yes, sir. Um, and on the mastermind, I also met a whole bunch of other legends. It, but I think that was the power of going through an experience together with guys, like-minded guys and something like that. And we can touch on that, but that was the power. It built these friendships and then everyone just wanted to keep in touch with each other because we were on the same mission. So an amazing thing you've built, Larry, um, something I'm incredibly passionate about, which is helping people to be better fathers, wanting to be one always myself. Um, and um, so I just love the work you're doing. So yeah, but more, not importantly, but as well, along with that, you also have had your own journey in relationship with alcohol. We've talked about that previously on this podcast, um, but that's since evolved again. So I can't wait to dive into that. But just for the listeners who don't know, and I can't believe they don't, but for the listeners who don't know who Larry Hagner is, do you want to give us a bit of background and you know what got you into this movement um, of helping people be better fathers, helping men be better fathers. Yeah, man. So I, uh, I appreciate it. That, you know, so I'm the uh, father of four boys. So if you ever want to know, that's like raising four boys. Just imagine, imagine a fraternity party where everybody's drunk and nobody wants to sleep, and um, that's my life. And you never do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, dude, I, I find like I mean, I took I, this. This literally is Monday. Like I went downstairs to my 15 year old's room and there was a half eaten pretzel with, with American cheese on it that was in his bed <laughs> on, a paper, on a paper plate. And I went down there and I'm like, and I took a photo of it and I just sent it to him and I was like, really, really come on, man. Like the trash can's two feet away. Right. 
things like I, I, I have found a half-eaten, kid you not, peanut butter and jelly sandwich on the sink of my bathroom. I'm yeah. like, I don't even know how this gets here. Like just things like that. I found a pair. I found a pair of kids sunglasses in the refrigerator. What I'm trying to say here is nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, we're so that just happened. But yeah, been married to my wife now for 20 years. We just celebrated 20 years this year. The lovely Jessica. Lovely Jessica. Yeah, she, my soulmate, just an incredible human being. Uh, just love her more than life itself. Uh, you know, we we've got just such a great relationship, and it man, it did not come without a ton, ton of work, right? I, I think that's what a lot of people just don't know. And I want to give some context there that, you know, if, you, if you've if you got an extraordinary marriage, if you've got a marriage that is just absolutely on fire, you've done some serious work to get there. It's not just like, oh, we're just still in love and it's just because, and we're just on the on the honeymoon Agreed. phase, you know, and that kind of thing. a lot of work, but how Dad Edge got started, you know, I wish I could say it got started in this really cool, like, sort of like epiphany where I saw the light and it didn't happen at all. It happened at the very dark moment, you know, really started my childhood. I'll give you a 30,000 foot view. My mom and biological father were married 1971. They had me in 1975, nine months after I was born, they got a, they had a horrible divorce, horrible. And Mm -hmm. my dad just pretty much left. I had no recollection of him whatsoever. Me and my mom. Yeah. Just me and my mom. And that, yeah. I, I don't say that out of pity because like when I was, I remember when I was four, I think that's when like kind of like the video camera turns on in your life and you start to have memories. And I remember being in preschool and I remember dads coming to pick up their kids from school and I knew what a dad was and I knew I didn't have one, but in my mind I was like, oh, it's okay. Like moms go out and find dads and I'm sure my mom will find my dad eventually. Like that's what I thought and mm. how it happened. And my mom met a guy when I was four, they got married and I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is great. Like I have a dad, like literally the first day I met him, the first minute I met him, that was actually the first question I laid on that poor guy was like, are you going to be my dad? Cause I'll never forget it. When he walked to my house, they shook my hand. And that was my question. And I remember like my mom and him like gasping, like the oxygen yeah, you know, like was sucked out. Like, oh boy, what? And uh, they did get married. They were together for six years. They got divorced when I was 10. Um, that six years was okay to start with and then it got really bad he was a big drinker very abusive um and my mom and him fought nonstop. and i remember when i was 10 them getting divorced and i remember being like god bless this really sucks my parents are getting divorced and and uh but i was also relieved i was like he's not gonna be around to beat the crap out of me yell at my mom you know they're not gonna be fighting which is good and something happened a couple years later when i was 12 I was actually reunited with my biological father and it had happened by total accident. It was not meant to happen. I had no idea where he was, where he lived. Turns out he was only living three miles from where I grew up, had no idea. He was remarried, had had uh, a two-year-old son, another one on the way. Wow. And and when I met him, it was like, it was a very serendipitous moment. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I immediately started calling him dad. We started hanging out every week. He would come to my Little league games, I would hang out with him and his family. And yeah, it was cool, man. And then right around like month five, month six of us hanging out, I just remember like there was strain on him. There was stress on him. There was like overwhelm on him. And I couldn't really figure it out. I could just feel it and sense it. And I'll I'll never forget one day I just picked up the phone at 12 years old and I called him. And I'm like, hey, like what's going on, man? Like I just don't understand. Like I, I feel like something's off. 
And I don't even remember Rui, what, what the words were. I really don't. All I know is how it ended. And it ended with basically this feeling of this is not the right time and we need to go our separate ways. And dude, that was really hard, more mm-hmm. devastating. And he left again and we parted ways. My mom continued to date, like basically like my, our, the next six, seven years became just a revolving door of toxic men who would come in and out of my mom's lives dating. She got married a total of three times. And, you know, I, I went to high school, went through college, met my college sweetheart, married to her to this day, but I'll fast forward to 30, 30 years old. Um, I was married for two years at the time, had my first son on the way. I'm in a coffee shop here in St. Louis for a business meeting and who came walking in, but my father to get his morning coffee, had no idea like, like where he was, hadn't seen him in 18 years. And wow. That turned into another serendipitous accidental meeting. And then we we met. And now here we are 18 years later. We have a relationship. He's still married to the same woman. I have two younger half-brothers. You know, we've got a friendship, I would say. But here's what I'll tell you. I was so die hard on like, I've got to do this fatherhood thing right. I've got to do marriage right. I only want to be married once. I want to be a good dad because I know what it feels like to have a bad one. And what I can tell you is I wasn't a bad one, but I sure as heck wasn't a good one. I was like right there in the middle doing a bit of nothing. Wasn't the most patient guy in the world. And unfortunately, Dad Edge got started because my 15-year-old, he's 15 now, he was four at the time, had a really bad day at work one day. Not that that's an excuse. And what, let me pause and digress for a second. One promise I always made to myself when I became a father is I do not want to ever hit my children in anger because I was that was my life growing up. I was I was hit a lot. I was like, I don't want to do that to my kids and I'm not going to do that to my kids. And when my son was four years old, I broke that promise and I spanked him. I'm not here to fight the fight of whether whether or not you think spanking is good or bad. A lot of people are like, yeah, you should. No, you shouldn't. It's child abuse and some in the middle. I'm just telling you, I didn't want to do it. And when I did it, it was a reaction. He stepped out of line. I swatted him on the butt and then he tripped and fell. And he fell upon my hand hitting him, right? Like, not fell upon it, but like he, he fell because of me. And I was like, I, I immediately, I was like, oh my God, what did I just do? And I went to go pick him up and help him up. And he literally did this, like put his hands up, like, please don't hurt me. And I'm like, oh my God, like what, what has happened here? I just don't understand. So that dark moment turned into a line in the sand. And I basically said, no more, no more. I am not going to do this anymore. I am not going to be this impatient father. I'm not going to have a mediocre marriage anymore. I am going to do this thing as best as I can. And I started really just looking at my life. Like I was, I was doing martial arts at the time. I was, you know, into health and fitness. And I started looking at those types of areas of my life. I'm like, why are, why are those things going well? In those areas, like I had a four year degree in sports medicine with a minor in nutrition. So I knew all about that everything from A and P to the cells, to everything, to physical body. I knew everything you had to do to be physically fit. Martial arts, I had an instructor. I had a community that I did life with, sparred with, practice with. And I also had people that I was teaching once I was a higher rank belt. So I was, I was learning, I was doing life and then I was teaching. And then I was like, wow, that's there. There's all that structure in those areas that I'm pretty good at. So what have I done with parents? (laughs) Which was a big fat goose egg. Right. And that was it. That was like, well, what would happen if I just learned? Like, what would happen if I learned how to do this, do the same skills, do the same rules apply? Turns out they absolutely 100% do. 
But it's really, and I'll finish with this, it's really our egos that keep us from that because a lot of guys are like, well, if I need help with marriage, well, I'm broken or we're yeah. headed for divorce. If I need help as a father, I'm a broken man. I'm weak. I'm this. There's actually nothing. There's there's no bigger lie that I think we buy into than that. You're actually preventing yourself from being your best self, your best husband self, your best father self, and your best human being if you don't learn those things. So that's where the journey began. 2015, started the podcast, wrote my first book. And then I've been doing it now ever since, 1,100 episodes. We've got um, a mastermind program where we have 800 men who do life with us on the daily who have the same desire to learn, to be leaders in their family, to be have a fulfilling journey as a father. But that's how it got started. That's amazing. Wow, what a story. And thank you for sharing that with us. And then, you know, it really is truly that impact on your life. You said it wasn't that, but it is, right? It, it, it really formed all of that. Amazing that you've used that as a tool for good and and made that decision to be like, right, I don't want to keep repeating this. And I love that analogy for people with, with you know, okay, in martial arts, I have all this structure. And I love that because, you know, it's exactly the same for here, right? Where people are like, oh, I, I just want to stop drinking on my own. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it myself. You know, why would I have any of that stuff or you know, things like that? And I think ego gets people in the way of finding the tools they need to make massive change in their life. But Going back into um, where you've got it now, so tell me a bit more about, you know, having now helped so many people with fatherhood. What are the common basic things that people are missing um, or could do better? So let, let me start off with, I, I actually have data to back up what I'm about ready to tell you because it's really been fascinating. So when, when men want to join our group coaching, our mastermind, they fill out an application first. And we do that for, for, for some psychological reasons. We actually do that for two reasons. It's six questions on this application. Super easy, right? And basically what it is, is it's, it's for the person who's filling out the application. It takes about two and a half minutes. I'm telling you all these things for a reason because it's kind of funny. But it, takes a, it, it, it helps the person who's applying to identify what is it that I truly want. Like if I look at my marriage, if I look at my mindset, if I look at my health, my finances, my kids, like all these things that I, this, this man that I want to become, what is the thing that is most on my radar and what is, what is the thing that would be most meaningful for me to course correct immediately? So it really helps the person filling out the application to understand where they're at. When that application goes to our team, you know, they book a call with our team that goes to them so they understand where that man is at, right? So it gives them some context of like, this way we can be really efficient with like, okay, we understand what's going on. This is how we can best help you, right? Because we help it, we help the guy unpack. Now, we also do the application for another reason. So six, I told you it was six questions, it takes about two and a half minutes to fill out. I want you to just guess, what do you think the completion rate of that application is when a guy starts the application? <laughs> And by the way, we don't ask for anything that's crazy. Yeah, but they just have to do a little bit of soul search. It'll work. Yeah, a little just, bit. But just guess. It's probably horrible, but um, I don't know. 50%. That's pretty generous. It's 29.2%. I just checked this morning, actually, for our September applications. 292 It's always been that way, mm -hmm. always, ever since inception. That means seven out of 10 men can't get through six questions. Now, we do that on purpose, right? We do that on purpose because... That application is the first gateway to, and the first test of, are you serious about doing some work? Or are you just going to get in here and kick the tires and do nothing? Because there's a lot of people that do that, right? They're like, oh, yeah, I'm, 
I'll join the gym on January 1st and by January 31st, they're gone. Yeah. Right. Third. So, so we, we, we eliminate the guys who are just going to kick the tires right away with that application. So, you know, seven out of 10 guys complete the application once they do that. But, but the thing, the data that I want to share with you is we've been doing this now. I looked over, I looked at it this morning. We've gotten over 5,000 applications over the past, you know, handful of years. And we have men identify one, one thing in particular out of five choices. So what is it that you want most of all? Is it creating a legendary marriage, a better connection with your kids, better financial stability, you know, financial management? Do you want to be a better leader or do you want to optimize your health, physical, mentally, emotional, and spiritual health, right? And 82% of men have identified marriage mm-hmm. as the thing that they want most. And, and, you know, it's fascinating. I've been doing this work for so long. What I've noticed is, is if you, if you really help a man dial in that one area yep. of his life, the other ones tend to fall like a domino. Totally. So like yep. once a guy gets his marriage back on point or it's actually at a better place than it's ever been, yep. suddenly he's a more patient father. Yeah. Suddenly he's probably going to be more physically, mentally, emotionally fit. He's going to be more productive at work. He's going to have, he's just going to be more fulfilled. But here's where we get even more granular, right? So why do guys come in and want to join us? What's on their mind and heart? When I ask guys, well, what is it within your marriage that you want to improve? What do you think it is? Communication is 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 the thing, but they say the sex life. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> sex life, you know, it's funny because a lot of guys will, a lot of people will stereotype men as just sexual beings. You know, they, they everything that they Aren't do, we? they just want to get. Yeah, right. <laughs> we are. Yeah, absolutely are. Is it just but, me, Larry? <laughs> yeah, it's just you. It's just you and. But no, we are. But if you really peel back the onion layers, it's not necessarily about the sex. It's about like, I want to celebrate our incredible relationship with you and I want to have more sex with you. But really it's communication. Yeah. Because without communication, the other things don't happen. None of it happens, right? You can, I mean, even though we all love sex, if you are not communicating and connecting with your wife, you're just like, yeah, it's okay. But like, if we were communi- if we were doing all these great things outside the bedroom, it would make the bedroom even better, right? But here's, here's where I think men get tripped up, and I used to as well. And that is, you know, you used to be in in the stock market. Well, oil oil broking, but yeah. Okay, so easily measurable, right? Like you knew exactly what levers to pull, what to invest in, you know, what not to, what things meant and all that. Everything was measurable, right? So if you really, when I ask men, like, okay, it's communication. So what do you want as it relates to communication? And then guys will start to, you, you can tell they haven't really thought it through. And they'll be like, well, I want more communication. And I'm like, okay. Or, or they'll say this, I want better communication. So I ask them this, I was like, okay, well, more meaning if you, you want more of it, more quantity of it. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, if you had more time to talk to your wife, what would that give you? And they're like, well, we'd be able to talk about deeper things and we'd be able to talk about our goals and our intimacy and all this stuff. And I was like, well, why can't you do that with the time now? And they're like, oh, well, we just don't talk about that stuff. I was like, well, then more time is not what you need. What you actually need to create is an environment of psychological safety where, where you can talk about those things and you both feel comfortable. Dude, you don't need more time. You actually need more connection is what you need. And then you see the light bulbs start to go off. Then when I when I ask them, when they say, so that's that's the... That's the more, right? And then when I say better, it's usually very similar. It's like, well, we'd be talking about these things and these things. I was like, well, if you want to be talking about those things, you have to redefine. And then I always ask them, well, what are you talking about now? 
And they're always like, well, we just talk about the high level managerial things like the parenting, the roles, the chores, the dinners, the kids activities, all this stuff. It's kind of like the more moving parts of the relationship in the family, but I really want to get more in depth. And here's, here's where I, here's where I really test men. And, and we have some fun together. I'm like, get out your phone. And they're like, uh, okay. And I'll say, pull up your wife's name on your text. And they're like, okay. And I'll be like, I want you to type this question in the text. What is something I currently do that makes you feel most loved? And they'll look at me like, you want me to send that? I'm like, yeah, I want you to send that. And they're like, okay. And, I'm, and I'll, I'll, I'll read the guy and, I'm, and sometimes they're really excited. I'm like, you look really excited. He's like, yeah, I am. I'm, I wonder what she's going to say. And some guys are like, I'm really nervous about this because she's probably going to be like, why are you asking me this? And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Because it's probably been a long time since you've asked it. So that, that's a skill that we teach too called a generative question. But if you want to have better conversations, one of the easiest levers to pull is stop asking your wife how her day was, right? Get back to those questions you started asking her on a first date. And don't tell me that you know everything there is to know about her because you've been married to her for 5, 10, 15, or 20 years because I've been married to my wife for 20 years. I'm still finding out things about her. And then, then to debunk that even more, I'll ask the guy, how old are you? They're like, well, I'm 45. I'm like, are you the same guy you are at 45 or you were at 35? And they're like, well, of course not. I am. I was like, well, do you think your wife is? I'm like, well, no. I was like, well, this is a great opportunity for you to get to re-know her, right? And so it starts with generative questions. It starts with active listening. It starts with learning how to reflect back to her. And also I'll finish with this. Your wife has three basic needs. And usually we're pretty bad at number one, knowing them. And we're pretty bad at fulfilling them. We think we're good at it, but we're not. She needs to feel seen. She needs to feel heard. And she needs to feel safe. Those are the three levers that mean most to her. So guys in general, sometimes we're not the best listeners. So automatically that seen and heard, man, they don't feel that. And if they don't feel that, they're going to distance themselves from us, right? But if we can fulfill those needs, like if you're really in a conversation, I always tell, I always ask guys this, when you had a first, your first date with your wife, did you hang on like every word that she said? And you're like, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> like, did you ask her questions to get to know her? Like, what was her childhood like? What does she want to do with her life? How many kids does she want? It's like, oh my God, yeah. What's important to her, right? All these things. Like, what's your favorite childhood memory? All these things, right? It's like, when, the, when was the last time you had a conversation like that? And they're like, it's usually years. Years, right? And I'm like, those are the things that are missing. Those are the things you need to reinvent. And there's a very strategic way to do it, right? So- in order to get more and better, the bottom line is, is you have to learn how to do that. We teach 10 skills to, to help men with those things. Let's pause just for a brief moment. I just want to share with you some of the heartfelt feedback from our incredible Complete Control community members. Listen to this. I, I don't know how I signed up. I think I just got an ad on Instagram and just got a whim, just hit the button and did a call and then signed up and didn't really consciously think much about it. And then after that, I was like, what did I just sign up for? Wait a second here. Like far exceeded my expectations. I'm usually extremely skeptical. So I don't know how I even signed up in the first place, but whatever it was. Um, so it's just amazing how like the transformation that I've seen and even the drinking part is just kind of the super, it, it was the Achilles heel, but it's kind of just the superficial problem. And it's like, once I kind of clear that up, there's so much more possibility and, and, you know, the exploration discussions with Gary, with Candace have just been so powerful and kind of, they both kind of 
focus on a different area. And then with Glenn kind of looking at my data and with my co cohorts or classmates or, you know, it's just been just, everything has just been so powerful and kind of supportive of, you know, completing the whole picture of how I do this. Um, so just really grateful and, and, uh, yeah. And, and, and also just feel more grateful and not only just for all of you, but just, just in life in general, it's just a little bit more clarity and peace and calm and, and, and so forth. So I am incredibly grateful for this entire program, everybody on this call and everything that we were able to experience. Um, I think that it delivered more than I expected. Honestly, I, I, like I've said before, I've done a couple of like challenges and different things. And I think that this beyond um, examining my relationship with alcohol and making, I think, pretty good strides in in um, staying alcohol free. Um, I think it taught me a ton about myself and how to like examine my habits and my thoughts and those kind of um, patterns and ways to ways to approach the things that worried me the most in this in this experience um, have just been invaluable. I think I'm leaving feeling um, in stronger in general, more self-aware in general, and um, just really more anchored in who I want to be and what my values are and how I can you know take better steps to achieve those. So it's been fantastic for me. And then again. The, our team, I, I really um, appreciate all the feedback and support from every single person on this call, but my cohort as well. It's been great. So I love everybody that I've met here. I have loved the program. I am not uh, an emotional person like this, but this has changed my life. It, it, it has given me a life. Um, and there's other things I need to do too, um, but I don't have to do a call anymore. So thank you. It's been an amazing journey and a very, I appreciate the professionalism. Whenever I feel the stress, I, there's there's something that I can go back to, to everybody and the sharing from everybody and the professionalism of the program. So I loved it and I've grown a lot. So ups and kisses. One word is transformational. That's a word that's been bandied about for decades, but in this it is absolutely accurate, if I was to use one word. This was a great investment. It's not, it's not self-help, it's self-realization. It's um, super powerful, but it, it exceeded my expectations. Or maybe it was Sharon who said that, um, uh, or maybe I'm exceeding my expectations, and I like that. I mean, the program has been hugely, a huge growth since some program. I think the journey of for myself has been amazing. I mean, I remember telling, I don't know if it was Candace or Gary, the first three or four weeks of the program, I was like, I can't stop thinking about not drinking. It's just, it's in my head. I'm ha Every day I'm thinking about not drinking. And it's it's like now I'm not even thinking about it. You know, it's just like my life has sort of stepped on. I'm excited about the future. Um, things are looking good. Things are looking good. I just love sharing the things people are saying about our complete control program. Okay, let's get back into the episode. A core part of now what we've put together, similar to yourself, Master, my bit in our complete control program, 
one of the core drivers of compulsive behavior is relationships. Relationships being not just your partner, but the immediate ones, right? So also the yeah. kids, but those three to five immediate relationships. Well, for you, that's six. Um, but for people with more kids, then there's more. But those immediate relationships. Um, that ultimately, it's a symbiotic thing, especially with alcohol. Okay, so the relationship drives the desire to drink, like a broken relationship and trouble with the relationship and like that, I want to have a drink. So, and is the avoidance and things like that. And same with kids. I was talking to a guy earlier, you know, and he's like, I have an autistic child and I really struggle and I can't deal with it. So I run away and then I'm filled with guilt and then I want to drink. Um, and so this, not only that, but in a relationship, you know, the drinking then obviously causes the issue in the relationship. So this is the piece that goes round in a circle and is very symbiotic. So a lot of the guys I speak to, a lot of the, I mean, everyone, um, guys and gals uh, who are in relationships I speak to, they are often citing relationship um, as being one of the things that is a very precarious state. Um, and their drinking has obviously got to a, li- a stage. Their drinking has got to a stage where they're reaching out and booking a call with me or my team. Um, and this relationship is in this, look, if I don't do something about this, then it's going to go. And obviously they think it's the alcohol that's going to go in. So you've kind of touched on it. I think we can take this into the 10 tools nicely. Um, but for all of those people who feel like their relationship needs some work and or it's nearly at the end and or all of those things, um, yeah, what's, what do you suggest? What's the tools? And So I, you know, obviously I told you I run the, the Data's Alliance, which is our ongoing mastermind. And then every single quarter, I teach two master classes. Um, two, they're, they're they're the same, but I have two different classes that go at the same time. So I take on forty men every quarter to help them learn these skills. It's twelve week mastermind to teach them these ten skills. Now, it it's really been and and I'll get to the what the skills are, but it's really been this incredible experiment. And I'm very real with guys, right? Because we have guys who join that that program with me, that journey with me that I teach. And teaching, I teach them one new skill every single week, and then they go out and they execute that skill, right? Um, now, what I'll tell you is every guy, if I look at all the guys, I think at this point in time, I've, we've taken two, 300 guys through the program. And everybody's situation is different, and everybody's situation is similar to some degree. I've had guys who are in complete and total separations I have one guy right now, I'll leave his name out, started our program separation with the beginning stages of divorce. And here's where I tell, here's what I tell guys when they apply and we, and we talk about what the program is. I always tell these guys, I'm like, listen, listen, man, this is not a silver bullet. I will never, ever, ever promise a guy, you come and learn this stuff with me and I will save your marriage. No way. <laughs> right? No way. I was like, but here's what I will promise you. You know, you go to, like, I I don't gamble, okay? I don't gamble. And I'll tell you why, Rory. I don't know how to gamble. I'm not good at it. I might as well just go right up to the guy, the dealer's the blackjack table, hand him my $100 bill and be like, here, I, I would have paid you this in two minutes. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. That's the truth. But that's because I, right, that's because I don't know how. And plus, the odds are always stacked in the house's favor. Now, if I read books on blackjack strategy and I learn how to play and I practice and I know the strategies. I'm looking at everybody else's card and I'm looking at the dealer's cards and I'm, I, I'm, I make the best choices based on the strategy and the things that I see. 
well, then the odds are more stacked in my favor that I could win. It's not guaranteed, but the odds are higher that I could win. And this is what I tell guys. I'm like, this will not be the silver bullet that saves your marriage. Number one, you got to do the work. She's got to be willing to do the work. But number two, you know, that's not to say it's going to work. But dude, I am here to tell you, I have one guy in my class right now. We're five weeks into this. His wife has moved back in. They are no longer separated and divorce is now off the table. And I'm like, and dude, there are times where I'm just like, amazing. Wow. Yeah. It's So let me share with you a couple of things. So we teach, I teach um, 10 skills and these skills, like if you, if you really want to know the crux of it, they're, they're in three categories. One is, one is being a tactically empathetic listener. And I'll get to that in a second. The other one is entering every conversation with curiosity and appreciation, not expectation and agenda. And that is conversational excellence. And then the last one is intimacy. Those three, those three skills actually have three micro skills associated with them. So let me just take tactical empathy for one, right? Tactical empathy. Now, everyday conversation, your wife and you have conversations. And I guarantee, Rory, I used to do this. We all used to do this. But you're, you come home and you're like, hey, sweetheart, how was your day? This happened to me last night. This literally happened to me last night. My wife is tough as nails. I have seen her cry in 27 years, 20 times. Like the woman is a savage, right? <laughs> and, and I came home yesterday and I saw this look and I knew she'd been challenged to work out of my house. And, but there's a lot of things that happened. There's a lot of things that we're being faced with right now, but it's first world problems, but it's like the death of a thousand cuts that's kind of going on in our house right now. A lot of just cha challenges, nothing between us and our marriage or anything like that. Just the kids are going through challenges with school and things are just fighting us right now. And I came home and my wife just had this look on her face and I just saw it and I was like, hey, I was like, tough day. And she looked at me, she's like, mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just kind of looked at her and I was like, are you okay? And she's like, just kind of like shook her head like this. Like she was holding back because she's tough, right? She's like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. And I was like, and I just grabbed her and I just hugged her. And she melted and started to cry. Mm. Now the now the brain now the male brain in me is like, what problems do I need to solve? What pain <laughs> do I need to take away? Right. And I said, babe, I go, tell me what's going on. She's like, you know, she's like they so my son got bit in the ear last night by our puppy. We got a puppy and, and bit in the ear and it was blood was just gushing out of his ear. She's like, that happened. She's like, I got a $1,500 medical bill today because, yeah. you know, I had to get a CT, I had to get an ultrasound, an MRI on my knee. She's like, I just got a $1,500 bill for that. A lot of things that have happened and challenged in us and my, my wife just crumbled. And as much as I want to be like, all right, here's what we're going to do. And here's what we're going to do. It's not that big of a deal, Jess. It's not that big of a deal. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this. 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 We're gonna do this. And it's like that immediately I just want to start taking things away. Right. And, and is everything that she tells me, I'm like, we're going to do this and we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Right. But that's not what our wives need. What our wives need is to feel seen, heard and safe. Right. So this is what I do. I'm like, tell me what's going on. And she just gushed. She told me everything was going on. And my response was not problem solving. There are times when we problem solve. Yeah. It's only, you only really need to do that like 20% of the time. Mm -hmm. I said, I was like, babe, I was like, that sounds like a very overwhelming day. And who wouldn't be overwhelmed? 
tell me more, tell me more. Now, what I just did is a three-step process that when my wife is feeling quote-unquote negative emotion, emotions are neither bad nor good, but we label them that way. Just as people feel, you know, they, they feel shame and guilt for having a quote-unquote negative emotion. If I feel depressed, if I feel stressed, if I feel angry, that's wrong. I shouldn't feel that way. That's not, that's, that is wrong in and of itself. So when we're feeling this quote-unquote negative emotion, I globalize, normalize, and ask for more. What I mean by that is globalizing is I put the spotlight on the situation, not on her. So I don't say, why are you so upset? Or like, wow, you're really upset. And she'll look at me and be like, no shit, I'm upset. Like, and they, they get defensive, right? Because people don't want to be reminded, yes, I already know I feel this way and great. Now I see you feel, you see. You're it. judging me. And yeah. You're judging me. It's like, instead you globalize it to the situation. So I'm like, that all sounds insanely overwhelming. Not you, but that all. Then I normalize it by saying, there's not one person on the planet that would not be overwhelmed and probably crumble in tears. In fact, they would have probably crumbled in tears long before you did. Tell me more. Normalizing it is like anybody would feel this way, yeah. right? So you're not alone. People don't want to feel alone. And then when I ask for more, I stay away from, I, I always say, tell me more, three words, and I stay away from the one word that has three letters. Why? Because I could do all those things. Oh my gosh, that sounds overwhelming. You know, who wouldn't be overwhelmed? Why are you so upset? If I end with that, that I'm putting her in a corner and I'm, I'm just putting Blame. that shame back on. But if I say, tell me more. It's more like, tell me more. And all I did, dude, all I did last night was hug her and listen. Didn't go into problem solving, didn't do anything. And she was like, I cannot thank you enough for just holding me and just listening to me. That is just what I needed. Right. And, but that's also her way of like, if you would have started telling me how we solve all these problems, I probably would have gotten pissed because that's not what I need. So that's tactical empathy using an emotional labeling where you globalize, you lo you normalize, and then you ask for more. Now, if the person's feeling a positive emotion, you localize it to them. So if your kid comes home, dad, dad, this happened to my nine-year-old, dad, I scored a goal today at recess. I'm like, dude, you must feel amazing because pr we're proud of the good things that we feel and we're ashamed of the bad. So if we localize that, be like, dude, you must feel amazing. And how do you think he responded? He responded with like, oh my gosh, I am. So he matched my energy. We feel that connection. I didn't say, well, that's cool. And I just back on my very way. I'm like, dude, yes, you must feel amazing. Give me some, bro. Boom, right? That's connection. That's just empathy, right? Like, and that's just one skill of the 10. But that in and of itself will elevate intimacy that in and of itself will elevate connection. And by the way, did you notice or did you feel the three basic needs that I fulfilled with Jessica when I did that? She felt seen, she felt heard. And because I held her and didn't try to solve her problem and just validated where she was at, she felt safe and she crumbled, right? Which made the interaction more intimate. Amazing. That is Super awesome. I love that. Very actionable, very understandable. And um, I can see multiple moments of of where I've let myself down there for sure. Um, in Inside this thing, you know, we talked about communication. And I think that a lot of people get to that point where they feel like, oh God, this is, you know, it's coming to the end and I just don't know. And, and I've seen it, like you've probably seen it many, many, many times that 
that although it feels like you're so far apart, and usually especially men, you might cut me down for this, but I do have a good go at men. Because I'm like, I say, how many business books have you read? Right, and the answer is loads, usually. Or, um, you know, have you ever studied a, a hobby? Do, do, do you read up on much? Yeah, yeah, loads. How many books have you read on your marriage? What about, what about your partner? I'm like, so I, I just want to be honest with you. You've invested very little in this. You're still trying to wing it. You, you haven't really learned anything. And this is my thing to most men. Like, you have so far to come to the table. Like, forget the work that she needs to do, right? She, that, she'll figure that out later. You, my friend, <laughs> have a lot of work to do. And if you go all in on that, right, you can, you can change so much. You can change you. But there's so many people who are sitting opposite. They're sitting opposite each other. This is where I was. We've talked about this before. I was like, you've got to change. You're so angry. And she's like, you've got to change. You drink too much. And we're just like, like this. And it's like, no, just put down the weapon. Stop doing that. Just start changing yourself. Go towards them. And nine times out of 10, they start to to come towards. Um, and I think, um, I think that's the encouragement to people. And so often I've seen people who feel like they're right at wit's end, like it's almost at the end. And they get this bit, right? This bit of communication. They start to improve. They go two feet into the marriage right? Really trying to learn about what person works. One of my favorites is, you know, Gary Chapman, Five Love Languages. I'm like, what, what love language does your wife speak? And of course, it's always like, what? And you're like, okay, if you don't even know that, you haven't even, you're, you're, in, you're in kindergarten. <laughs> you, you know, what's funny though, too, is when, when you're armed with knowledge, information, and learning, it makes the journey so much more fulfilling. So let, let me give you a quick example of what I mean by that. And this is with, one with one of my kids, right? So since I wasn't raised with a with a father figure, there isn't a whole lot of things that I learned from a dad perspective, right? So I, I don't know how to fix a car. I don't know how to like, you know, I don't know how to lay, I just hang drywall. I don't know all these things. I don't know how to hunt, right? My fifteen year old, um, my fifteen year old got his hunting license through high school, which I thought was pretty remarkable, and I've never hunted before. And my fifteen year, I've I've always made one promise to my boys. And I say this to them, I will never be the dad that can teach you everything. But if there's ever something that you want to learn that I don't know how to do, here's what I can promise. I'll learn it with you. So my 15, and that's been a promise I have kept ever since they were little. My 15 year old came to me and he's like, dad, I really want to go hunting. I was like, son, I was like, we've shot firearms. We've got firearms. We love firearms, but I've never hunted. I was like, you know, maybe a paper target is fun, but I've never hunted. I was like, I will find us a place for green newbies like me and you that have no clue what we're doing and figure that out. So we went to a ranch back in March where basically all you have to do, this is in the middle of Texas, all you have to do is show up. And they have like, I think it's like three, 4,000 acres. It's everything is dedicated to deer, pheasant, quail, all this stuff. And we showed up and it was quail season. And I've shot firearms before, but that's about it. So they take you out, they teach you in the morning what to do, what to expect. They've got the dogs that are with you, the pointer dogs that help you with the find the quail and all that. And then they're also helping you with clay shooting, right? Because you can't shoot these birds on the ground. You have to shoot them in the air. And I've never shot actually at a moving target and neither is my son. So they taught us all these things. And then the guide took us out on two hunts, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And we got 19 quail and we got three pheasants. I guarantee that if we tried to do that on our own, we would have been frustrated, had no clue what the hell we were doing. We might've shot each other. God only knows, right? <laughs> I mean, 
But it's endless, man. It would have been a disaster. But as soon as we're like, I don't know how to do that. And I want someone to guide me, point me in the right direction, coach me and teach me. Suddenly, you don't have to worry about being the expert. Yeah. In fact, the beautiful thing about that whole experience is it put me and my 15-year-old on the exact same playing ground yeah. where we were able to connect and learn together. And that trip was so freaking enjoyable. Yeah. And it was so successful. And we didn't know anything about what we were doing before we got there. And the same is true for you. You, you talk about like, hey, how many books have you read in marriage? Like, if you don't know what to do, this is why I always tell men, if you don't know what to do, here's where I'll let you off the hook. It's not your fault. Because number one, you probably weren't shown a great example growing up. Number two, society has kind of set us up for like, well, if you don't know what to do, then you're a dumbass and you're weak. And, you know, your marriage probably isn't for you. You're less than, you're unworthy. Which is ridiculous because in any other area that we're ever, we ever excel at, yep. We learn. Yep. Like, dude, if you've never been on snow skis, you go to ski school <laughs> before you hit a black diamond hill. You don't be like, hell, we'll figure it out. I just put these when it work out. They're all doing it. I can do it. Yeah. I mean, people have <laughs> skiing for years. I should be able to do that. No, you got to learn. Like, take your baby steps and learn, right? No matter what level you're at, learn. And that's what I think, that's where I think people get it wrong. But here's where, I, I, here's where tough love happens. Rory, there's so many resources out there now for people to learn, whether it's a book, whether it's a podcast, whether it's coaching, whether it's counseling, it doesn't matter. If you don't do anything about it, now that's on you. That is your fault because you have a tremendous opportunity to learn. And some people say yes to it and some people say no to it. And the ones who say no to it, that journey is going to be a lot like what the hunting trip would have turned out to be without that guide and without learning. It probably wouldn't have been so great. Yeah. I, I I just recently had this one. I think it's really interesting. But you know, how long have you been trying to figure out this relationship thing? Right, you've been married for seventeen years. Would you say that it's been, you know, getting worse during this period? And for a lot of people, they would say, yeah, it has been getting worse. Um, and um, is it okay? Well, you're kind of at this juncture now, right? Uh, let me ask you this question. Um, in the remainder of your life. So going forward from now, how much money could you make? Like, just could you, you know, if, 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 if everything went to plan, if you could win on everything, you know, somebody flew from the future back and give you the almanac, how much money could you make? Right. Infinite amounts, right. Infin infinite amounts. And, and so, but then what about time? So looking at how, go, how much time have you got? Um, the answer is very finite and it's ticking down. So. Why try and figure all this out on your own? Like, why take that extra time of trying to figure it out on your own? Why not just go and find an expert, get them in the room and be like, right, how do I fix this? How do I figure it out? Um, so I thought that was a really powerful analogy for people. Like, if you choose not to invest in something, then nine times out of 10, you're choosing to spend time trying to figure it out. Um, and that's the choice you're making. Um, that's 100%. <laughs> We've, we've, we've talked a lot about relationship and then you touched into to, um, parenting. You know, yeah, what is it? What is it to be a good parent? What What is it to be a good parent? What do you think we've got wrong? Um, what do we can do to improve our parenting? What's some steps that we can take to be a better dad? So first of all, you know, your kids' resilience um, and mental health, especially when they're young, actually rests on how we operate. Believe it or not, I know that that's a tremendous responsibility, but it is what it is. And, and if you don't put me, th think of how you grew up. 
right? If your dad was triggered, pissed, impatient, and fiery, you always probably felt a sense of like, oh my God, I got to walk on eggshells at all times, right? Which, which wears on our mental health. It wears on our emotions. It wears on our resilience, right? Now, take, take the opposite. Take a dad who's fed. And I'm not talking about food, but I'm talking about like, my dad takes care of himself. He learns. He's got other men in his life that are pouring into him and he's pouring into them, right? My dad clearly knows what to do and when to do it. Maybe not all the time, but most of the time, but he's very secure, he's very confident, and he's calm. Think about that, dad, and think about the impact you're going to have on your kids. So one of the easiest ways, and this may sound self-serving, but I, it's because I truly believe in it. The main, if you really want to pull a lever that's powerful, get into a community and a tribe of other men who share a vision and goals that you do. Because quite frankly, I mean, this is like one year, no beer, right? This is like, if you're, if your main circle of influence is guys that you're getting drunk and hammered with, and you're watching the football game and you're having just high level conversations about work and kids and how your old lady's pissing you off, dude, that's going to be your life. And that is not going to be a, a life that you are going to enjoy outside of having those beers with your buddies. And even that's not even, you really peel back the onion layers. It's not enjoyable to most. You need the beers to make it enjoyable. Minute. Yeah. Exactly. It is for a minute and then it's not. But if you really want to be fulfilled, if you really want to level up your resilience, get in the room with people who are smarter than you. If you want to build an extraordinary marriage, talk to a guy who's been married for 20 years and has got that figured out. If you want to be a more patient father, talk to the guy who, who's got that dialed in, right? It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by winging it. You know, if, but that is one of the main things you can do. The other thing too is the 10 skills that I teach within marriage are also 100% applicable to, to being a parent. Your kids, boy or girl, doesn't matter, have the exact same basic needs as your wife. Kids need to feel seen, they need to feel heard, and they need to feel safe. And you can either elevate that or you can decimate that with your words and, and how you operate. So learn, learn these communication skills. They're so important. And plus, like, it's a lot like hunting, right? It's a lot like, okay, like, my, I, I had a conversation with my nine-year-old. You know, he had a really tough day at school the other night, and he crumbled, right? And he, like my wife, I guess he's got the same genes. Now that I'm saying that loud, he rarely cries. and he, and he But when he does, I know something's really wrong. And I use those same skills with him, and I just create a space for him to talk, right? And you could tell, like, it just... It was like super glue in our relationship, mm. right? Every experience, every interaction with our kids will either level that relationship up or it will chop it down. And it just depends on how you're going about it. So I always encourage men, if you want to be a better parent, it's skills. Like you don't do Brazilian jiu-jitsu by learning from a book and then go try to roll with a purple belt and think you're going to do okay. You've got to go to class and learn the arm bars, the rear naked chokes, the takedowns and all those things, you got to get your hands dirty, right? Get into it and learn. And if you don't, well, then it's going to feel like, oh, I've been studying Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu out of this book or, you know, I could probably protect myself. No worries. You go in and you roll with that guy and he decimates you. Mm. And so that that is the defining factor is, are you willing to learn what it takes to get these things accomplished so you can be the dad that you want, the parent you want, the the go-to guy, the the husband you want to be, the leader you want to be. Amazing. Really, really, really powerful. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> I sort of 
touched into that conversation. But if I think about, you know, my parenting um, and uh, I love to be the fun dad, I love to be adventure dad. I, I want to get them out and, and um, experience all those things with them. But also, you know, I work extremely hard, too hard, harder than I would, I would like. In an ideal world, I would be able to go on adventures with them all the time. Um, and so I know that inside there I feel guilt. And I guess inside there, even even in our parenting, you know, our girls, they do a huge amount of gymnastics. So they do, um, they do nine hours of gymnastics during the week, three hours after school, three days a week. And then they also do Saturdays. Um, and so it's a lot of training for them and they finish late. So what comes into play there is they end up training late, being sleep deprived. And I come home late and we have this like troublesome evening of them being hyperactive and not settled and trying to get them um, down into into bed. I'm giving you this example because I'm sure people have been through it before, but like in those times, it can feel really overwhelming of like, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to resolve this? Um, how do I, how do I, yeah, what steps do I take? So what would you suggest to somebody who's particularly in a pickle at the moment um, with kids? Just before you say here, Larry, I've spoken to some people specifically recently and often ADHD gets talked about or autism gets talked about or we're thinking about getting my child checked out because we think there's issues. And so it's obviously bent out of shape at home. Um, so yeah, what what practical advice would you give to somebody struggling? So, you know, I, I've got teenagers and I've got little guys, right? Um, and what, one thing I'll tell you is that I very rarely lecture, if ever, my teenagers. Instead, when they, you know, I create an environment, one of the skills I teach is create an environment of psychological safety. That's where someone can tell you anything without fear of guilt, shame, blame, or pain. So, you know, like, I get very curious through conversation and I just ask really deep questions to get them to their own solutions. Because quite frankly, when we lecture and we just simply were a dictator, the kids just shut down. They don't listen to us anyway. Don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place for authoritative parenting, but, but use that lever as minimally as you can. Instead, I'm a big fan of, of, uh, of, of having them articulate their solutions. Because what I really want to raise is I don't want to raise a yes man. I really don't want to raise someone who's going to be told what to do. I want to raise someone who's a critical thinker and who can make really good decisions that are not attached to emotion. And when you have a kid who's really upset, this and that is challenging them or this or that's going on or behavior or whatever. I, and I'm, I'm not talking about the ADHD and that kind of thing. I'm not an expert in that kind of thing. But what I am talking about is just every day, just sort of like behavior that you don't really like to see, mm. right? And I get very curious, right? And I ask them very deep questions so that they can articulate what they're going to do better, what they're going to do different. What act I actually ask generative questions of like, if you had to do the situation over again, what would you do different, right? Because it helps them rethink, oh my God, I screwed up, I screwed up, I screwed up, I screwed up, I'm so bad, whatever. Instead, it's, you know, if I had to do the situation over again, what would I do different? Because if it come again, faced with a similar situation, you've already given them the keys and the way of thinking to be like, I've been down this road before and I know better now, yeah. right? Versus, because as soon as you start yelling, screaming, it's over. You know, barking order, they're not really engaging in that conversation anyway. All they know is, holy crap, dad's coming at me with a line. Mm. 
right? And all they want to do is this, right? Which is their hands are up like this. So I just get very curious. I ask a lot of questions. I want them doing 80, 90% of the talking, but I'm the one guiding them, right? Smart. Okay. It's been I, I, amazing to have you on the show again, Larry. I could probably carry on easily for another hour. Um, we didn't even get to touch on your recent relationship with alcohol. You are 339 days alcohol-free again. Boom. Um, congratulations. Well done on that. It's such an amazing thing to do. So keep flying the flag. Um, it, to me, this is a really core message, right? If you've got struggles in your relationship, struggles in parenting, struggles at home, Focus number one on the relationship. Get a coach, get advice, get support, get some help, wheel it in, get that advice, you know, go go all in on it and really focusing on communication and those core skills that you've, you've mentioned into there. And what will follow is more of a settling down in the parenting area. Plus, you've got a whole bunch of tools and strategies for helping deal with that. So I think amazing, actionable advice, very relevant, super helpful. Larry, where do people go to find more from you? Yeah, just head on over to thedadedge.com. Uh, we've got all kinds of free resources over there for you. And mastermind is thedadedge.com forward slash alliance. Um, everything from social media to every, just Google the dad edge. I'll come right up. Got a YouTube channel. I've got free resources. Got a few books out there, um, podcast courses and mastermind. Amazing. I'll have you on the podcast again soon, Larry. Thanks so much for coming on. Good, brother. Look after yourself. You bet. Cheers. Cheers.